Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a big win over Wake Forest and a look ahead to the remainder of the regular season. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is former Syracuse guard Brandon Reese. Brandon, really appreciate you coming on the program. How are you today? I'm doing great. Tired, but, uh, you know just reminds me of a 5 a.m. workout at Syracuse University. So it's bringing me back to old times. <laughs> and speaking of Syracuse, we'll get you started on this one. You played at Syracuse from 2008 to 2012. Hard to believe it's been 10 years since your Syracuse days. Catch us up on what you've been up to since then. I know, 10 years. I can't believe it. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, I was with another Syracuse football player this weekend out here in Los Angeles. And we were, it's been 10 years. Um, it's been amazing. Um you know, my dream was to play professional basketball, and after Syracuse, I took a chance to go do that, and I went to go play in Israel, and for two years after that, I bounced all around the world, uh, playing in uh, professional and semi-professional leagues, uh, Ukraine, Poland, Holland, uh, Canada, um, the ABA, and I never got hurt until then, and uh, once I uh, finally got those uh, big injuries, it was like, okay, time to step away, took some time coaching, got to coach in Kuwait. I uh, got to coach and train players from all around the world, turned some into uh, some professionals. And then, like yourself, I got into the podcast space, and I've been working in production, shooting, and being creative in many different sorts, uh, whether if you want to shoot music videos, content, podcasts. Uh, I think I've recorded over a 1,000 podcast episodes now for myself and clients, and it's been an amazing way for me to uh, you know, continuously work and take kind of my re-education in life after sports but still stay connected to the game. And I think the biggest uh, way I've done that is I co-created the Hoop Bus. So I've seen that basketball school bus on TV. Um, I co-created that project with uh, a few other creators out here in L.A. That's the short answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a really cool path you've taken, Brendan. And I want to talk a little bit more about Syracuse basketball. You were part of one of the winningest periods in Syracuse basketball history. Do you have a favorite memory from your time there? Oof. I'd say uh, I'll give you two. I'll give you one was like a personal, and that would have to be first time playing in Madison Square Garden. I get in the game, and I'm in the, the game with Andy Rodens, who is my roommate, <laughs> and he throws me this one-arm swing pass cross court as I'm shrieking for a fast break. You got a guard on the other team just chasing you down. 
thinking he's going to get a block on this, this walk-on who just got in the game. I make a nice switch hand layup. He bites on that. The switch hand, then I'm going to go to the left, I go to the right, and I get to score at Madden Square Garden. The fans go crazy, and you get to score a in the biggest arena and most famous arena in the world, your first shot and your first time there. It is, uh, you know, definitely a memory you can go back to and smile about that. Um, and then team team experience was just every road game, you know. Uh, you go on a road game and you uh, get a big win. And back when we were still in the Big East or – We'd have some crazy out-of-conference tournament or game you know, in Memphis or in Kansas at the NCAA uh, All-Star, uh, not All-Star, but the Hall of Fame they have, and you're beating Kansas in Kansas City. Um, and just it, it's such a big team, like, solid experience uh, and growing experience, you know, from the culmination of practice to go on the road and beat somebody together. Um, you can't get a better bonding experience with your, with your teammates and your coaching staff than a big road game like that. Brandon, let's talk about the current team. They're obviously not getting the wins at the same rate as they did when you were there. Your teams were ranked number one while this team is struggling to stay around 500. Why do you think they're struggling so much right now? Hmm. You know, that's a, a difficult question, but um, I can definitely attest to what we had. And, you know, what we had was uh, um, we had solid, solid, you know, um, I didn't say players or recruits. We just had people – you know, because I, I can't really attest to the guys there, but I know at least, you know, when I was there from the walk-ons to, you know, the players who were getting recruited in, um, I know all of us always had a chip on our shoulder. Whether that was, you know, Johnny Flynn, my freshman year, who still was an all-ACC guy, but, you know, he ends up having a rock star, superstar year going into that next level. Um, you know, we had a different coaching staff then. You know, we had Coach Beheim, we had Mike Hopkins, Rob Murphy, um who else do we have there? Uh, <laughs> fleeting. It's been 10 years. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you could say it's the transition over into uh, the Big East of the ACC, but, yeah, it wasn't like the Big East was a was a, was a cupcake division back then. Um, hmm. Really hard to put my, to, you know, put my, point my finger to the exact reason, but, you know, it's, uh, it's something that comes with time. Maybe it's not the right chemistry of the players, that are clicking in the way to overcome those obstacles and odds because basketball is such a game of runs. And, you know, whether it's bad luck or bad fortune, I mean, what was it, two years ago, Buddy gets hot, Buddy really turns some heads, and, you know, we have a nice Sweet 16 run going in, into uh, into the NCAA tournament. It's, it's tough to say, and you don't want to negate any of these guys or players, but, you know, maybe there's just not that one go-to punch, go-to guy that we haven't had in all those other years at this point now. So, and then also like most teams and, you know, you're playing against a lot of genius coaches, a lot of genius other players. They figure out your strategy. They figure out what you do well. And we do a lot of things pretty consistently over the past 35, 40 years at Syracuse. So, you know, if you don't continuously pivot on that, people can sniff it out. They can figure it out. And if you don't pivot and change that strategy, they're going to read you every time. Brandon, all that said about the struggles, that Wake Forest game was really impressive. Syracuse knocked off the 17-4 and Deacons, 94-72. How important was that win, and can they carry that momentum the rest of the year? I mean, I mean it's massive. I mean, especially with the NCAA, it's, it's, it's all about getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, you can see that with different playoffs and different sports. You can see that with the NFL this past weekend with, you know, the 49ers getting hot and riding this thing in all the way to the playoffs. And, you know, 
look at UConn in 2012 against us. You know, they got hot at the right time in the Big East tournament, and they rode that all the way to the NCAA tournament. I don't think our record might be enough for us to get into said tournament. But, you know, when things are clicking, when chemistry is there, you know, we're talking about, like, actual physically and then metaphysically, guys have synergy together. Coaching staff has synergy with the guys. Everything's connecting on one leg. I mean, we could definitely ride this consistency out. It's not like we can't go in and win out our games, win all the way to the NIT tournament. That's definitely something possible. And, you know, we have collegiate professional athletes on this team. There's no reason why they couldn't get hot at this time in this place. And Brandon, we'll get you out of here on this one. There's been a lot of talk about when Jim Beheim's going to retire. I wanted your take on who you think would be the best guy to replace Coach Beheim. It's it's so funny you ask that question because, you know, speaking of 10 years, those are the whispers I heard when I first got to Syracuse. Um, <laughs> those 14 years ago, and I got there. I graduated 10 years ago. Oh, excuse me, 12 years ago. So it's uh, it's interesting now because, you know, Coach Hopp was – the next in line to uh, kind of take on that role of responsibility. And now, you know, Coach Hopp is out in Washington. He's pretty established out there. And, you know, I'm so happy for him for experiencing and receiving the success that he's receiving. Um, but, you know, if you look at our own coaching staff, I mean, you know, I know Jerry and Red very well from getting to uh, play under them. And, you know, they're great guys. It's, you know, Jerry definitely has the name recognition, like, across the country, but, you know, also most young kids probably don't even know who he is, you know, in terms of when you start recruiting guys in and bringing them into, you know, this program. So I think, you know, Jim Beheim has been amazing as name recognition of who Syracuse is, putting it on the map, you know, in upstate New York as a basketball powerhouse. And in terms of looking into our own staff and, like, other people, it's, you know, it, it it's kind of like a show now. and We need somebody – who not just is going to have that name recognition, but, you know, some kind of, you know, presence that's going to attract the attention spans of the Gen Zers whose attention spans are already, you know, if you don't catch them in a two two to five second window on that first impression or who they are, you lose them. So, you know, I think we need a little bit more pizzazz or a little bit more, uh, not attention seeking, but attention grabbing of a coach who can fill in seven of that role. And yeah, obviously the three coaches on our staff can definitely be that, be one of those people. They can fill that uh, place, but you know, maybe even bring in somebody from uh, outside of Syracuse, but fits with the, you know, the culture of Syracuse, New York, not just Syracuse university, because as you know, in Syracuse, New York, whoever we do bring in, we got to have the Syracuse, uh, New York natives in that culture who are very impatient to be patient with whoever we're going to bring in there. So, you know, any of our three coaching staff, like I said, are very qualified to come in. But, you know, I would love to see somebody who's got a little, you know, bigger name recognition, pizzazz, and fits that culture of Syracuse, New York. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the program. Again, former Syracuse guard, Brandon Reese. Brandon, congratulations on all of your post-Syracuse success. Appreciate the insight on the current basketball team. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks so much, Wesley. Appreciate you letting me come on the show. So great to catch up with Brandon. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse with a 94-72 win over Wake Forest on Saturday it was all systems go for the Orange as they shot 57% from the field and forced 17 Wake Forest turnovers on defense. Brad, I have to ask you, where was the Syracuse team all season long? 
Well, Les, one of the first things I thought about watching the second half performance is Syracuse, you know, dominated a pretty good Wake Forest team, and I say pretty good in uh, relative terms to where the ACC has been this season, certainly one of the better teams in the conference. But that being said, uh, Syracuse you know, probably should have won the game in Winston-Salem in early January with the lead late and uh, couldn't get the ball in bounds, and it went to overtime, and they fell by three points. But the other thing I thought about uh, in the second-half performance is Buddy Bayheim was lighting it up. Remember down at the ACC media event in October, Buddy was talking about the best energy he had seen among a team in the four years he'd been at Syracuse, and they played with great energy in that half. And when they played, uh, we've seen peaks of it, when they played with great energy in previous games, uh, look, late in the overtimes against Indiana in the Dome in the, in the challenge game and coming back in the second half to win at Florida State just haven't been consistent enough. And, again, the ACC is relatively, uh, you know, even in the middle teams this year, uh, it, it's surprising that teams can't win at home and win on the road and then vice versa. Uh, so we've seen this this version of the Orange this year. We just haven't seen enough of it, and that's why the team's still under a game uh, below 500 heading into February. Brad, we've got 10 games left in the regular season, and Syracuse has an opportunity to make up some ground against the lower-ranked teams in the ACC. Do you see them making a push and finishing above 500? I kind of break the final 10 regular season games down this way, Wes. You have the games against Louisville, excuse me, starting with NC State, then Louisville, twice against Boston College and Georgia Tech. Well, I look at those five games, and, you, you know, you you really got to sweep them uh, to, to be where you want to be, to have, you know, a shot at, you know, some more more momentum going into the ACC tournament and, you know, keeping, uh, you know, thoughts alive that they could put, you know, some games together in that tournament. But you certainly also want to look at finishing with a, a winning record. Then it's the other five games, at Virginia Tech, at Notre Dame, home against Duke at North Carolina, and then the finale against Miami. Can you win three of those five games? But that's also taking into account they, they may not sweep the other first five that I mentioned because we, we've seen the, uh, the different nature of this team sometimes game by game. The second half performance against Pittsburgh, you're saying, you know, that's kind of rock bottom for this season, then come back and have a very impressive second half against Wake Forest. So that's where I kind of look at it. You know, you know are we talking about – Six and four, seven and three in, in the final ten games. You know, if you're going five and five, then you really have a tough hoe to make sure you have a winning record uh, to even keep NIT hopes alive. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? My closing thought, Wes, revolves around uh, an ode to the National Letter of Intent signing day in college football. That's coming up. Uh, this is the first Wednesday in February, coming up in midweek this week. And I look back fondly on that because back in the pre-internet days uh, when we were working with different sports publications in our career around the country. It was such a big day for the team publications uh, covering Florida, Notre Dame, Texas, uh, even Syracuse. All the major schools always looked so much forward to the first Wednesday in February, the National Letter of Intent Signing Day. Of course, that's now all changed here in the 2020s. We have the early signing period that's been a couple of years now in December, which takes a lot of the the attention and, and the, the luster off of the first Wednesday in February. And, of course, the biggest thing in college football now is the transfer portal 
and that's extending the recruiting to where programs are going after players that have played for, you know, one or even two years of college football. So just wanted to have a reminiscing about the great old uh, day. It's still there. Of course, Syracuse will be in the hunt for more recruits to join the program on the first day, uh, on the first Wednesday in February, the National Letter of Intent Day, but it's certainly not as significant as it has been in the past. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Tom Brady. Multiple reports stating that the GOAT will retire after 22 seasons in the NFL and unprecedented seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVPs, and three NFL Most Valuable Player Awards. The Syracuse connection? I always think back to September 12, 1998, when Syracuse went into the big house and knocked off Michigan 38-28. Donovan McNabb threw for 233 yards and three touchdowns, outdueling Brady, who threw for just 104 yards and an interception. Things have obviously gone much better for Brady since that game, but congratulations to him on an incredible NFL career. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that by simply adding a ponytail, a man can remove up to all of his credibility. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 